welcome to River Fellowship Podcast. At River Fellowship, we strive to experience God, exalt Christ, embrace community, and engage the world. This week, Lead Pastor Daryl Anderson takes us through Galatians 5 and 6. Practice is a repeated action to improve proficiency. This final message in the series offers two suggested practices that will help one keep in step with the Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, go to rfamarillo.org. Galatians chapter 5 is where we'll be this morning. We're actually going to end the series this morning. We're going to bring closure to this in-step series this morning. Um, And I hope and pray that what we've talked about has been insightful, it's been helpful. We have been focusing on the practical aspect and work of the Holy Spirit, not the mystical. There is a mystical, and we may deal with all of that in another time, but we've been dealing with the practical. How can we practically keep in step with the Holy Spirit? And so this morning, I wanna share what may be the most practical application of everything. Maybe the best way that we can keep in step, and I wanna use this as just a point of closure. What I'd like to do is just take a, a few words out of Galatian and... Let that be our point of application this morning. So let's look in Galatians chapter five. We'll pick it up in verse 16. Paul says, so I say, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Verse 25, our key passage, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. In verse 16, he tells us to live by the Spirit. Verse 18, he encourages us to be led by the Spirit. And then he says again in verse 25, to live by the Spirit. In verses 16 and 18, the word live and led in the Greek or what is, in, is called in the present tense, what that means is it's, it's continual and it's repetitive. There's re- repetition. In other words, it's not a one-time event, a one-time decision, a one-time occurrence. Rather, it's an ongoing commitment. It's repetition. In verse 16, that word live means to conduct one's life. The word led means to, uh, to listen, to pay attention But then the word live in verse 25 is different than 16, and that word actually means to come alive or to be alive. So if we were to take all of these verses we just read and rephrase them, this is what it would say. If I could could put this in a different translation, here's what I would say these verses are trying to tell us. If we will conduct our life in such a way as to continually listen and pay attention to the Holy Spirit, we will experience life. This could be a third definition. We've defined keeping in step with the Spirit as moving in sync with the Spirit under His control and under His power. We've also defined it as being connected to the Spirit or being dependent upon the Spirit. But here's a third definition that we could give to keeping in step. It's conducting our life in such a way as to continually listen and pay attention to the Spirit, which will enable us to truly experience life. I've, I've titled this message, Practice. There's a couple of definitions to practice. One is, it's an application to something rather than 
theoretical. It's an application to a, to a belief rather than theory. In other words, it's, it's doing something, not just talking about doing something. That's to practice. The second definition, though, is an exercise repeatedly to improve proficiency. I'm going to do something over and over and over to get better at it. That's what practice is all about. So I wanna, I wanna look at two areas of practice this morning, two things that we can practice, very practical, that will help us keep in step with the Spirit. Here's the first practice. That's to practice the presence of the Spirit. Practice the presence of the Spirit. Verse 25, it starts by saying, since we live by the Spirit. In other words, we just talked, define that word live, it means to come alive. So really what he's saying is since we have life because of the Spirit, because the Spirit of God is the one who gives us life, because the way we experience life is through the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since that's the way we experience life, then let's keep in step with the Spirit. Practicing the presence of God, practicing the presence of the Spirit will help us do that. I think I've shared this before a little bit, but I do like golf. Uh, I play golf. I'm not very good at golf. Those of you that play golf understand the difference in a golfer and somebody that plays golf. I'm not a golfer. I play golf. But I'm actually getting a little worse than I used to be. I'm actually becoming a worse golfer. And I think one of the reasons, there's a lot of reasons, I think. One of the reasons is I won't practice. I don't practice. I'm firmly committed to never practicing golf. If I have some time to go hit golf balls, I just want to go play. I don't want to practice. So I will never practice golf. As a consequence, I'm not very good and I'm getting worse at golf because practice does a couple of things. One, practice will give you confidence. If you've hit this shot hundreds of times, thousands of times, you know you can hit it, it builds a sense of confidence so that when you're really playing and you have to hit that shot, you feel pretty confident about yourself that I'm gonna hit that shot because I've hit it a bunch of other times. But it also builds muscle memory. So the more you practice, you're actually teaching your body and, and your body and your muscles are memorizing the motion so that when you have to hit the shot for real, your body kind of knows what to do automatically. So you don't even have to really think about it. But because I don't practice, I'm not confident and I have no muscle memory and so mine are just kind of hit and miss. But I do like golf, even though I'm not that good at it. But conversely, growing up, I loved basketball. And I played basketball all the time. I was your typical gym rat growing up. I'd be the little kid in my snow boots in my park out on my driveway in the snow shooting baskets. After practice, I was the guy that would stay after practice and practice some more. I just enjoyed playing basketball. Now, why was I so willing to practice basketball, but I'm not willing to practice golf? Here's the difference. I like golf, but I loved basketball. Golf is just kind of a pastime, something I kind of enjoy doing with friends, but I loved basketball. Here's the point I'm trying to make. The willingness to practice is connected to the heart. It's connected to passion. So practicing the presence of God hinges on my heart. It hinges on my passion. Is it the passion of my heart to walk with Christ? Is it the passion of my heart to be intimate with Christ? 
Is it the passion of my heart to be more conformed to Christ? Is it the passion of my heart to glorify Christ? Or is church and Christianity just, just kind of something I do? Is all this stuff a part of my life or is it my life? Is Jesus Christ just a part of who I am or is it the essence of who I am and what I want to do? It's about the heart. In high school, I had a basketball coach that had a saying and he, he based this saying on a different saying. All of us have heard the saying, practice makes perfect. We've heard that. That coach said, no, that's not true. Practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. What he was trying to say is, you're going to play the way you practice. So if you just goof around and joke around and practice, that's gonna affect the way you play. He says, you're gonna play the way you practice, so you need to practice the way you wanna play. Perfect practice makes perfect. Here's the concept that I'm trying to make here in practicing the presence of the Spirit. What does it mean? It means that the Spirit of God resides in every believer. So practicing the presence means staying aware of his presence. It's staying sensitive to his presence. It's maintaining a constant awareness of his presence and his activity. And it's doing certain things that will keep me aware of his presence and activity in my life. So what are some of those things that I can do that will help me practice the presence and stay aware of the presence of the Spirit in my life? The most practical part of this series that we'll do is right here. Let me give you a couple of ways that we practice the presence of the Spirit. The first is simply daily devotion. It's a daily devotion. That seems so basic and so rudimentary. In fact, it is so basic that a lot of people won't even teach on it anymore because they think, well, Believers just have daily devotion, so we don't really spend much time talking on it. I think a lot of believers don't, but what I think is, the reason I wanna preach on it is I think it's the fundamental, most basic way to stay in tune with the Spirit of God is a daily devotion time. Just in my life personally, that's what has kept me growing in my faith. The daily devotion, the thing that, that I think helps the most with that, I don't know, here in the room, if, if you struggle with that, if, if you don't struggle with that, if you're consistent in a daily devotion, if you're not consistent, but to me, it's all about someone I meet, not something that I do. When I got in my heart and spirit that this quiet time, this devotion time, whatever you wanna call it, it's not something I'm doing, okay? It's not a, a checklist. It's someone that I'm meeting. I saw a post uh, on Facebook this week um, the, the caption was a, an elderly lady. I didn't, I didn't click on and read the article, but the, the caption was an elderly lady that had an open Bible there on her table. And it had a little uh, parenthesis that she had said something in the article, I guess, that said, imagine who you're talking to. Remember who you're talking to. And I didn't read the article, but the caption simply, I think, was talking about when you're in the Word for daily devotion, remember who you're talking to. Daily devotion is simply a time in the Word and a time in prayer that you set aside to spend time with the Lord. Mark 135 says very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. 
multiple times in scripture, you'll see Jesus where he's around a crowd or he's with people or he's just done something. But at some point he's, he's always kind of slipping away in private and he goes and spends time with his father. If that was a necessary and important discipline in the life of Jesus Christ, don't you know it, it's gotta be an important discipline in the life of believers that we set aside that time where we spend time with the Lord. I, I talked with a friend, I'll keep his, his name out because you'll know him, but I talked with a friend, it's been eight or nine months ago now, and we were talking about daily devotion. He was sharing with me how God had really revitalized his desire to have daily devotion. He had been kind of hit and miss before that, but something had happened and he was, boy, he was committed to daily devotion. As we shared, he shared with me that at that point, he had gone 365 days consecutively daily devotion. I went, man, you're, that's crazy. I, I can't say that. I, don't, I probably haven't gone more than five or six days. The, but the point that was cool to me wasn't that, wasn't the, that he hadn't missed. What was, what was cool was what he was sharing that God is doing in his life, doing in his spirit, doing in his heart. How it had just changed everything about what's going on in his relationship. That's the key to daily devotion. It's not a legalistic routine. It's not just a spiritual discipline that we try to do as believers. What it is, is it's the commitment from the heart and the passion that says, I want to be more like Christ. I want to stay aware of the presence of the Spirit in my life. I want to stay aware of the activity. And this devotion gives me that opportunity to focus on the Lord. So my, my, my passion here is, if, if, I could only, if I could only say one thing to believers one time, if I only had one word that I could share, it would be, Spend time in daily devotion with the Lord. That in itself will radicalize and revolutionize this relationship with Christ. And today there's all kinds of ways to do that. There, there are online resources, there are apps. Uh, we've even got back in the back some, some printed materials if you wanna take those when we leave. But let me encourage you if, you, if you have a devotion time, man, just keep on doing it because I know you realize what the difference does it make. That's never been a part of your uh, of your walk, let me just encourage you, man, to start this week, to start spending time with the Lord and see the difference that it makes. But here's a second way to practice the presence, what I call pray breaks. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray continually. But how do we do that? How do busy people, <laughs> you know, we're, we're working, we're raising children, we're getting our kids to their events, we're taking care of children. We're, how can busy people pray continually? I think we can do it by what I'm calling pray breaks. And pray breaks are simply these really short, one phrase, one sentence kind of prayers that you can pray anywhere around people. Your eyes are open. You're not stopping to do what you're doing. You're just praying very quickly in the midst of that. And you may do one pray break a day. You may do 50 a day. It just depends what's going on in your day. For example, you teach school. You don't have 15 minutes someday to go into your closet and pray during school. You're lucky if you get one or two minutes break. But what you can do while you're even in the midst of class, if there's something going on, you can just pray very quickly, Lord, give me patience with this student. Or if you know there's something going on in a student's life, Lord, give me some insight so I can minister to this student. Or if it's between classes, just taking a break to say, oh God, thank you for you. And it's just very quick pray breaks. 
If you're a business person going into some meeting, as you're going into the meeting, God, give me wisdom to know how to handle this. If you're a sales rep before you meet your client, God, let me be a good example, a good one. It's all through the day. It's all these little bitty prayer breaks that take five seconds and you'll be amazed at how that will keep you in the spirit. Here's the third one that I personally have just started practicing myself this year. And it's what I'm gonna call word quotes. They're just word quotes. Now to do this, you do have to memorize scripture. You have to memorize some passages. And anytime we talk about scripture, remember I know there are a lot of people that say, hey, man, I can't memorize. I just can't do that. Well, we can all memorize. We've memorized our name and our important information. We memorize song lyrics and movie lines and et cetera. Now, some are, are more naturally gifted at that than others, but we can all memorize. But the cool thing about word quotes is it becomes a little easier because we're memorizing scriptures that really speak to us. Probably all of us have had times when we're reading the word and it just seems, it just seems dry, doesn't it? It just seems routine. You're going through the word. Maybe it's your devotion time. Maybe it's scripture. But you read and read and... It, it, you're just doing it because of you're supposed to as a believer, but it's not really impacting you. But then you've probably had those same kind of times when you do get in the Word, and man, a passage just jumps out at you. It just comes right into your face. It just speaks to you with power, and it, it revolutionizes something. We've probably all had those moments. What I've started to do, when I've had those scriptures jump out at me, what I wanna do is memorize that passage. Because God's, giving me that passage for some reason. It may be something that's very convicting. It may be something that's very challenging. Maybe something that's very encouraging to me. It may be just a, a way to praise the Lord. But when those passages jump out at me, what I've tried to do now is just memorize the scripture. And I, I'll, I'll take days, weeks, however long it takes me to memorize the scripture. But then once I can get it in my heart and spirit, now I have some scripture that I can use as word quotes throughout the day, whatever's going on, if something, something happening, I have some passages now that will speak to me. And some of them are, are convicting. Some of them are because I'm not doing this very well and I needed a passage to remind me you know, to, to, to do this. One of them is 1 Corinthians 1.9 which says, God, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. When I quote that, I can remember one, God's faithful. And when I'm going through something, when I begin to question his faithfulness, I can quote that and remember God is faithful and that he's called me into fellowship. He's not called me to serve him and to work for him. He's called me into fellowship. So when I feel myself moving away from fellowship with him, I can quote that and it brings me back in. Philippians 2, 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. So when I find myself slipping back into self-centeredness and self-focus, I can quote that and it can help bring me back into thinking of others first. Doing nothing out of vain conceit. Psalm 19, 14, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It reminds me that God's my rock, that he is my redeemer and that even the things I think should please him. And so when I find myself kind of saying stuff I shouldn't say, thinking some things I shouldn't be thinking, I can, I can do these word quotes and it can help bring me back into keeping in step with the spirit. These are just three very practical things that we can do if we really wanna keep in step with the spirit where we are walking in the awareness of what he wants to do in our life. These are three things that can help us in the practice of the presence. 
But something unique happens. If, if, if this can become part of our discipline, as we practice the presence, something interesting happens. A, a, a unique attachment begins to take place between us and the Lord, between us and the Spirit. And at the same time with that attachment, other things become, to become detached from us. So we experience some detachment and we experience some attachment. Let me illustrate what I'm trying to say. I'm gonna use photography as an example. I'm not a photographer, so I don't really know what I'm talking about here. I've talked to a few people, I may say it wrong. So those of you that are photographers, forgive me if I say something stupid here in just a moment. I'm gonna try to say it the right way. But when you're taking a picture, whatever you wanna take the picture of, the object that you're trying to take the picture of, that comes to the foreground. And with that in the foreground, you're trying to focus in on that object, on that element. Everything else becomes background. And everything else, it's fine if it's blurry, it's fine if it's out of focus because you're not focusing on the background, you're focusing on the foreground. Now, in photography, the background is important because there is some some nuance to that. But the point with the photographer is you wanna be sure that I'm focusing on the object because that's what I want everybody to see. When we talk about keeping in step with the presence of the Spirit, what happens is what we're doing, it's like the photographer that we're focusing on Christ. We're focusing on our relationship with Christ. And everything else becomes blurry. So as we have a unique attachment with Christ, what we see happening is we begin to see a detachment from the world. Everything else that's not of Christ becomes the background, it becomes blurry. I'm not, no longer focusing on that, I'm focusing all of my heart and passion on Jesus Christ. Now what that means from a practical application is, we've been talking about this whole series Two choices, I can keep in step with the spirit or I can keep in step with my flesh and the world. When I focus on Christ, that keeps me in step with the spirit. What I, what I don't have to do is to think about constantly what I shouldn't be doing. Okay, I shouldn't do that, I shouldn't do this and this world shouldn't have this attachment and God don't let me do this and where I'm really focusing on what I'm not supposed to be doing in the world, what I do is I just focus on Christ. I pursue Christ. I allow the Spirit of God to work in me and my whole focus is on Christ. And when I focus on Christ, the things of this world begin to fade away. My love for the things of this world begin to fade and become weaker. So I don't have to try not to be in the world. I just need to focus on Christ and let the world dissipate. So it'll detach me from the world, but it will also detach me from myself. It'll detach you from you. It'll detach you from your need to be noticed. It'll detach you from your need to be blessed. It'll detach you from your need to have your way. In other words, the heart changes from becoming this self-centered discipline to a Christ-centered discipline. There is a subtle spiritual self-centeredness that can happen in the heart of believer. Try to say that five times really fast, by the way. A subtle spiritual 
self-centeredness can sneak into our life if we're not careful. And it kind of takes a couple of forms. One form is, God bless me. We become consumed with the concept of God bless me. I want to experience your fruit. I want to experience your blessing. I want to experience health and prosperity. I want to experience your power and your authority. And it comes wrapped up where my, my dynamic is all about God bless me and do all this stuff in me. And we begin to, to crave the blessing more than the blesser. It's very subtle. Another form is God use me. God, I want you to use me, but I want you to use me like you used David. I want you to use me like you used Noah and Moses and Paul. I want you to use me for something really big and something really great and something really grand. And part of that is it sneaks in of, because I want everybody to, to notice me or I want to be used so I can feel really good about myself and God, what you're doing. And if we're not careful, this real subtle self-centeredness sneaks in and everything is really because of what we want. It's, it becomes a spiritual narcissism if you will. Let me ask you this question. What if God providentially chooses you to suffer on his behalf? What if his plan for you is that of Stephen who was stoned to death for his faith? Or some of the believers in Hebrews 11 who were tortured and killed for their faith? or the disciples who were beaten and imprisoned for their faith? What if his plan for you is like some of the believers in the New Testament at Pentecost and that gathered around Jesus and were part of the first church that we don't even know their name. We don't even know who they are. They were never even mentioned. Total anonymity. What if God's plan and purpose for you to be faithful is to go through suffering or to serve him in complete anonymity? Are you okay with that? Practicing the presence of the Spirit does something to us. It detaches us from our need to be focused on ourself. It puts all of our focus on Christ and we want Christ and his will and his purpose, period. If he decides to use me or not, it's okay. If he decides to bless me or not, it's okay. Because the heart and passion of my spirit is to be in intimate fellowship and relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what practicing the presence of the Spirit will do. But there's one other practice I just wanna mention. I don't have time to, to, to really go into it. But it's what I'm gonna call practice the patience of the Spirit. Look in chapter six, verse eight. says, the one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And that word sows is the same tense as live and led that we talked about earlier. It's present tense. It's continual. In other words, the person that repeatedly continues to sow the flesh will end up in destruction. But the one that will continually and repeatedly sow to please the Spirit, they're going to reap eternal life. So verse 9 says, So let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. What we know in Scripture, we don't have time to look at it, 
God is very patient with us. Passage says that Christ has unlimited patience. The spirit of God in us is extremely patient with us. He is slow to anger. And when we practice the presence of the spirit, that in turn will lead us and help us to practice the patience of the spirit. What does that mean? What this passage is really saying in verse nine Don't grow weary in doing good. Really what it's saying, it says something a little different than what you may think it says. What it says is don't get tired of doing good because you keep doing bad. Don't get tired of doing the right thing because you find yourself doing the wrong thing so often. Don't get weary in keeping in step with the spirit because you find yourself keeping in step with the flesh so often. In other words, what it's saying is don't get weary because you fail a lot, because you fall a lot, because you're trying to follow Christ, but you find yourself not doing what you wanna do and doing what you don't wanna do, as Paul says. So don't grow tired and weary. That word weary means to quit, to give up, to become discouraged. So what Paul is saying here is don't quit seeking to keep in step with the Spirit simply because you find yourself falling so often. I know people that have made that decision. They've been dealing with the temptation. They've been dealing with some whatever's going on in their life and they finally say, hey, I wanna do this. I'm tired of the fight. So I'm just, I'm I'm tired of the Spirit and I'm just gonna quit trying and I'm I'm just gonna go headlong into the flesh and into this sin. I'm done fighting it. We all know people that have done that. What Paul is saying is don't do that. Don't become so tired that you know you haven't arrived yet, that you quit trying. Don't grow weary in doing good. What does that mean? Practice the patience of the Spirit. The Spirit of God is so patient with us and understands that we are flesh and understands that we will not be perfect We will not be like Christ until we enter into glory. So every one of us are on a growth track. Every one of us are kind of doing this. So he's encouraging us to practice the patience and be as patient with ourselves in our spiritual journey as the spirit is in our spiritual journey. So that's the encouragement as we close is to practice repeatedly to do things that will help me stay aware of the Spirit's activity and work in my life. And it all comes back to verse 25, our key passage. And it's my prayer for myself and it's my prayer for you. Since we have life in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God is the one that gives us life, let us keep in step with Him. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would just take the word from this entire series and that you would continue to speak to us and minister to us that we would experience daily your presence in us. We thank you for the life you've given us through your spirit and through your son. Father, we want to walk in that life. We want to experience that life. 
So Father, just speak to us, give us the tools, give us the disciplines. May we be willing to practice the presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, or to hear more messages, go to rfamarillo.org. Thanks. Have a great week.